Yo, what's good people? It's your boy TSK and welcome to the Hashtag Rooted and Established podcast where we are having conversations with people who are pursuing their goals, leaving behind memorable legacies. I hope that after listening you're inspired, encouraged and motivated to keep making the most out of what you have. Let's get it! Cause if you look inside your heart, you'll find that you're made of love and you see That's why you're so special so I feel like that's a good sort of segue into this next part. So you have a book called Roadmap to Financial Independence. Yep, Roadmap to Financial Independence, indeed. Um, so in it, you have a chapter called Discomfort, mm-hmm. a cherished place. And I'm just going to read a little extract from it. So okay. you say, uh, the Bible clearly shows that it was only until God had completed his seventh day of creation of the universe and all the wealth in it that he saw that it was very good. This passage would suggest to us that prior to creation, God was uncomfortable, so to speak, with the state of the subsystem we live in today. Mm -hmm. Hidden in the text of this passage is one of the most important characteristics of a creator of wealth, the characteristic of discomfort with where you are. In other words, before God created, he was first uncomfortable with what he saw. Note that even while he was creating the universe, he was not comfortable and did not rest until after the seventh day. Then and only then does the Bible say that it was very good, thus painting a picture that the father of all wealth only got satisfied with after his discomfort was quenched, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're working as an engineer now. Yep. And you reach this place of discomfort. Yes, yes. Tell, tell, tell us about that. So one of the, uh, one, one of the uh, most sort of difficult points in life are the, points when one begins to depreciate Mm. and depreciation is birthed by comfort the moment you get comfortable i don't care what level you're at whether you have (laughs) a million pounds in your account or you're a company that feels like they've reached to the top of their you know their 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 position in 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 in, in the competition in the marketplace Mm. once you get comfortable it's difficult Mm. it's dangerous Mm. so comfort breeds depreciation Mm. So, um, so when you flip that script around, so what causes appreciation is the question. Mm. So, uh, and let, let me in fact take a step back. The moment you begin to depreciate, mm. you begin to die. Mm. So death is not a process that starts when someone stops breathing. Death, death is a process that starts when growth terminates. So, mm. um, when you begin to depreciate, mm. That's when you're beginning to die. Mm. So I decided, and also when you uh, become comfortable, mm. that's when growth stagnates, and therefore that's the beginning point of death. Mm-hmm. So we need to fight against death, and mm-hmm. the way we fight against death is fighting against um, uh, stagnation. The way you fight against stagnation is not appreciating comfort. Mm-hmm. The way you fight against comfort is shuffling the nest. So you can create discomfort Mm -hmm. and that's where growth begins. Mm -hmm. So, um, because, you know, looking at God, I really assessed God and, you know, God is a God of the universe. Just to give you some context in that text, God, God owns the whole universe as we know it. And so for me, when I go through an evaluation of what the value of the planet earth is, I mean, the value of one house in Croydon, let's say, is uh, the three-bedroom flat, 300,000 pounds, for example. Mm. Um, so the value of 10 flats is 300,000 times 10, you know, 3 million. And so, okay, if 10 
houses in Croydon cost that, then what is the value of the property in the UK? Mm. Or what's the value of the property? Or even better still, what's the value of the planet Earth? You can't put enough zeros mm. against that. <laughs> yeah. So with that in mind, I then think, wow, then so who created it? Who owns it? I'm thinking God did. So I'm mm. thinking, man, God, God is a rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm beginning to think, right, how did he create? And that's where this sort of script comes from. Mm. He started from a point of discomfort. Mm -hmm. So to create what you don't have, you have to embrace discomfort. Mm. So you ask the question, you know, I having got to the top of my engineering career, um, why would I then begin to think of starting something new altogether? Mm. And it was because I embraced discomfort. I asked myself, what else can I become in life? What else have I got hidden in me that I could have been sat on only because I'm at a state of comfort. Mm. And I came up with this crazy idea that, hello, I, maybe I could become a pharmacist. Okay. And obviously because I was watching your mom and mm -hmm. she was a pharmacist then. And I thought in a five to 10 year uh, cycle, like I do, mm -hmm. that what do I want to do? And in pharmacy, there was this option to actually be self-employed and work when you want to at your own diary and then mm -hmm. spend two, three months doing everything else that you're passionate about mm -hmm. and yet still be able to come back and practice professionally. Yeah. So that aligned with where I wanted to be 10 years from now, mm -hmm. from then. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 36, I created this discomfort. I created this discomfort that I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. I wanted to become something else. Mm -hmm. And this was, I wanted to become a pharmacist. Right. So... <laughs> You ask, how do I then go about doing that? I picked up the phone and I asked different universities, what does it take to become a pharmacist? First of all, they obviously asked what I do. I said, I'm an engineering consultant at 36. And they say, you're crazy. Why would you want to become something else? You don't even have the background in biology. I had not done Wait, can I just pause you biology. for a second? Let me, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me just pause. All okay. right. Okay, go on. I'm, I'm going to take this back. So... You're, I, just, I just want to stay on that point of discomfort. Yes. So with the discomfort that you felt, is that because where, where did discomfort come from? Like where did, what was the root cause of that discomfort? So the root cause of that discomfort, remember I was 36 and I think in five, 10 year steps. Yeah. I realized that uh, in my profession as an engineer, uh, 10 years from then, things would be different. In terms of just like in technology, terms of the technology, yeah. So like when I started out, I graduated when I was uh, about you know twenty four or something, yeah. And uh, so I had watched from when I was working for Nokia and Samsung, we had a team of like uh, you know twenty design engineers to fifty design engineers designing a phone. Mm -hmm. uh, from discrete components. Yeah. Then uh, technology moved on and we began to realize that uh, you know technology was now shrinking from discrete components to uh, electronic chips. Mm -hmm. So you no, no longer needed a team of 50 people to design something because all of that stuff was now quenched into one or two chips. Yeah. So um, at the age of 36, that is just one example, I began to realize that uh, you know engineers are getting too smart. We are designing ourselves out of jobs yeah. effectively. Mm -hmm. So I knew that in 10 years' time, uh, what was the bread and butter for then would mm -hmm. not necessarily be the thing that uh, would be still uh, on demand yeah. in 5 to 10 years. Yeah. So I had to repeat or reinvent. Mm -hmm. So I chose the path of reinvention. 
mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. because I could have gone on and done a PhD, maybe in chipset design, which was some of the things I considered. I could have gone on and done some uh, sort of a master's in, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, artificial intelligence. Yeah. This is where things were going to go then, mm-hmm. and they are now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it didn't align, as I said, with my future aspirations. My key aspiration for where I wanted to be when I grew up mm-hmm. is to own my time. Yeah. And uh, independent of uh, being employed, and uh, mm-hmm. for me, so this uh, my my career was on a collision course with, I would say, my aspiration. Yeah. So that's what triggered the disparity, the, the discomfort. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're now applying. You're you're in talks with different universities about. Yes. Yeah. So I, I begin talking to them, and they begin telling me reasons why I should not. Mm. even think about reinventing myself to go into pharmacy but i was smarter then because i told them i didn't ask for reasons why i cannot become a pharmacist Mm. i asked what does it take to become a pharmacist Mm. so there were things like you're too old uh said all right that's negative uh you don't have the right background so i began to sift out the information that i needed to Mm -hmm. become Mm -hmm. what i was aspiring to become and the common theme in all of it was I needed A-level biology, mm-hmm. which I hadn't done, mm-hmm. and I needed a recent qualification in chemistry, mm-hmm. which I'd done chemistry A-levels in 1989. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was exempt from anything else. Mm-hmm. So with those tools, I then happened to realize that that week was when registration was happening for AS-level and A-level kids you know 16 year old kids and <laughs> and i walked out to martin college uh parked my company car i was driving uh i can't remember what car was that then I can't remember. Um, <laughs> it wasn't an audi but yeah so i packed my company car folded my took off my cufflinks folded my sleeves and i went and sat in the line of registration for the course and again they told me i was crazy but i said it doesn't matter and they uh, and I asked what it takes to do the course, and I was accepted to do um, AS level and A level uh, biology and chemistry. So I started. So you're so you're, so you're sat as a 36 year old in a classroom with 16 year olds. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> with my shirts folded up so I can kind of blend in with the kids. Mm. I remember some of them calling me dad and I was all right with that. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess like you must've just had like such a clear under, cause someone else being in that, in that situation, it can be so easy for just pride to just sit in and be like, you know, I can't, I can't sit in this class with these 16 year olds and like they're getting questions. Right. And I'm not like, (laughs) yes, actually for me, it was the total opposite. The moment I got my registration card for AS level, mm. I was so excited. Like I got my first job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me, it was like, wow, um, here's an opportunity for me to be born again in terms of a different mm. career altogether. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like, wow, I didn't know that I could actually be something else. Mm. So it, I was so excited. I still have the card framed in my drawer uh, of uh, Martin College, uh, 36 year old me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah no, I was excited. I was excited. Mm. And um, interestingly, biology, which is a subject I just didn't enjoy at all at Ella, was suddenly mm-hmm. become th- became thoroughly uh, exciting. Yeah. To the level that um, when I did my AS levels, I actually topped the country. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> yes. So I remember going back for my results and my teacher giving me a big, big hug. And I'm thinking, what's, what's up? And he says, uh, these are your results. And he shows me a, a paper and in it there was 106. And I'm thinking, what do you mean 106 uh, out of how much? And he says, out of 100. <laughs> and I'm like, how is that possible? And he said, well, the way it's done, you basically gave more information than you needed to give in your exam. So you actually talked to the country and you actually scored 106%. That is... Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought, wow, wow. And I got something like, I think it was 80-something in chemistry yeah. uh, for my A-levels. So um, it was exciting. So I then went on and did A2. I got my A grades and I was accepted at King's to do pharmacy. And you were doing all of this, obviously, whilst you had us lot running around as young, like under 10s. Yes, yes. I had you reading the notes out to me. You probably won't remember between the traffic lights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'd read out a question for me. And actually, I do, remember, I do remember doing that, actually, <laughs> in the car, Francie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd read out questions about biology cells, and I'll tell you the answers. I don't think you understood them, but then, mm. yeah, it was a, a revision tool for me. Mm. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. So, okay, so you, now you get into King's College University. Yes, so I get in there and they ask me, well, day one, first of all, they they told me, I don't think uh, you know what you're doing. You're coming to university Mm -hmm. to do a master's course, a four-year master's in pharmacy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. full-time whilst still doing a full-time engineering job. Mm -hmm. I said yes. And they said, well, uh, I think you're going to have to rethink that. Mm. Uh, I said, well, do my grades qualify me to be in the university mm. and they said yes so i said well i'll cross the bridge when i get there for now i'll keep my job and i'll keep my course mm. and you know so they thought all right we'll sign you up so i started mm-hmm. uh, i did one day and i went through okay mm-hmm. in between lectures as responding to my engineering emails mm. i did crazy things as hosting global conference calls in the disabled toilet at king's <laughs> college university yeah. uh, in my lunch break yeah. and uh, you know I'd dash off and do my labs so one day became one week and when i did one week i knew i could do the other week when i did one month i knew i could do two months mm. and the rest is history i did four years at king's mm. whilst doing a full-time engineering job mm. and still meeting the, the 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 targets that my engineering uh career required of me mm. and uh amazingly at the end of the course i even talked the the, the one of the modules in, mm. the, in, in the pharmacy course at king's uh, the module of uh, drug delivery. Yeah, I was the best student in drug delivery at yeah. King's College University for my year at, on the master's course. So it's amazing what you can do when you set out to pursue aspirations without necessarily judging whether you're able to achieve them based on what you have and mm. the people that you have and the time that you have. It's just you jump off of the cliff and you fly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I guess that was going to kind of lead into like, my next question of like, because obviously like, these are all like amazing things that you're saying and like like, doing all of that requires like a great level of capacity but it seems like with everything that you're saying it just takes you just taking that step yes and just doing it doing it but to be fair i probably have to give you a bit more information before you set out to do um sort of life-changing um decisions yeah the first thing you need to ask yourself is why Mm. why am I doing this? Mm. Mm. <laughs> because if you don't have a big enough why, uh, you'll crumble somewhere along the path. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I sometimes do is every time I set out to do a, a revolutionary change in my life, mm-hmm. I, I sit down and write 10 reasons why I need to do what I have to do. The first two reasons are easy. 
why you need to do correct okay so the first two reasons are easy you know you could write you know um i have to become an engineer i have to become a pharmacist because why number one uh for me was i need to end up in a role that gives me independence of my time okay that's reason one number Mm. two is i need to do this and that and that then you write 10 reasons you have to have your own 10 reasons for mm-hmm. why you want to do something mm-hmm. so it's easy writing down the first three mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when you get to four that's when the thinking begins yeah yeah five six once you get to the 10th you have gone deep to the deepest part of your core mm-hmm. uh, to understand why you have to do what you have to do mm-hmm. and so when f- when pushed against the wall which you will be as you start your journey mm-hmm. and you get through to impossible situations mm. you know um you you're going to have to go back and ask yourself why am i doing this mm. <laughs> why mm. do i really have to continue going through this torture mm. to become this mm. and that's when people walk away mm. if you haven't got a big enough why mm. um, you probably won't last the journey mm. so you have to have a why mm. then number two you have to have clarity of what you want to achieve mm. um so with the why and the clarity those for me are the most sort of powerful tools you can put into your uh, what I call your GPS instrument mm. to give you the guidance to achieve what you want to achieve. So yeah. How do you how do you cope with failure? Um, I wouldn't even call failure failure. I would call it the opportunity to retool and reflect and move on. Uh, so failure when I was younger was uh, a negative for mm. me. But now that I've grown wiser and older, (laughs) yeah, um, I think failure is a very big opportunity uh, because it uh, doesn't necessarily reflect on your capability. Mm. It's an opportunity for you to retool Mm. and come back again Mm. in a different way. Not necessarily to do the same thing, but you can take the lessons Mm. and use them to become everything else that you want to become. Mm. So. I can't really think of any failure that I've had that I regret because over the course of time, I've learned that uh, everything that I fail at mm. when I have uh, the opportunity, the, the fact that I'm still alive and healthy and wake up every morning is an opportunity for me to uh, to use the lessons learned in that failure, inverted mm. commas, to, to retool and reinvent and just uh, go for it again in another mm. way. Yeah. yeah. So like, as in, so are there any failures in particular that you could just point out, like how you've been able to do that to rekit and retool? So failure, you know, I have to really think now, maybe you might beat me to it. Let's see. Uh, failure, failure, failure. I think that would be one for the next, <laughs> next, <laughs> yeah. next uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause Not I've fair really, enough. I've really depleted even the word from my, my thinking that I can't even, um, you don't see it as failure. I, I, I can't I can't remember anything that stands out now yeah uh, as failure maybe I need to be reminded of this is what you failed at then I'll come back fighting and say mm-hmm. no <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but um I, I I I don't I haven't got anything that stands out as a failure it's that far mm. deep in me mm. but <laughs> I think I that's, a, that's a good thing to point out because like yeah. that's all about your perspective and like how you yeah. do something and it's not arrogance it's just <laughs> <laughs> that's just how you look at you, you don't yeah. look at it as fair you look at it as okay this didn't work and it's an opportunity to yeah to rebuild to a level that it isn't it doesn't even stand out anymore in my memory yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. you've caught me off guard on that one yeah I yeah, can't, yeah i can't remember any failure because it's all been buried up 
because of my perspective on what uh what that actually means mm. mm-hmm. no that is that is amazing yeah so you're still working as a pharmacist now still working as an engineer yes so now i juggle between the two mm. i um i'm both an engineer and mm. a pharmacist yeah so uh, it was very hard when i started out because i uh, i would you know park my car and come out of engineering mode with uh with very 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 smart uh sort of world-changing technologists uh, product definers mm. and uh suddenly uh, i'm flipping over into becoming a pharmacist and uh, mm. uh, where I'm expected to be on top of things in terms of people's medication and advising them and assessing where there any interactions and in, in medication that's been prescribed. So it's just, it was harder in the start, yeah. switching between the two, but now yeah. it's seamless yeah, 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 <laughs> because yeah. I've done that for a few years yeah. now. So yeah, it's um, interesting, mm. interesting, um, you know, how things have turned out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. So you mentioned um doing life coaching mm-hmm. alongside all of that so what's your why with your life coaching so my why with life coaching is um maybe let me take you a step back um there's for for you could argue from one's perspective that i am at one point in my success ladder i wouldn't call myself successful yet because uh, there's a lot of other things that i aspire to be mm-hmm. in my own eyes mm-hmm. and by the way success for me is how well you're doing against your own personal set targets yeah uh it's not uh, how i'm doing against somebody else's uh, achievements i yeah. don't look at other people's achievements and then judge my success against them mm-hmm. so so yeah so so i then quickly found that um i was isolating myself yeah in the sense that uh i was becoming successful Mm -hmm. but the people around me were not becoming as successful as i was Mm -hmm. at the same rate yeah yeah, yeah. so what i then found that was that in the past i used to celebrate having five pounds as a job Mm -hmm. five pound per hour Mm -hmm. Uh, but then as things became bigger Mm -hmm. I realized that there are certain things that were happening in my life that I could not begin to share in an edited and unedited fashion. Yeah. Because the people around me could not take my level of testimony. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was beginning to feel like uh, it's dangerous when you begin to share too openly about your success because sometimes you can turn out as being perceived to be being arrogant yeah to the people that are around you yeah, yeah, yeah. um so but it's it becomes lonely mm-hmm. if you edit the great things that are happening in your life and you find that you have nobody else to tell them to yeah so when you ask my why uh why do i start to coach i realized that um the only way that i can begin to talk my language unedited in an unedited fashion to the people around me is if they grow at the same level as I am or even faster. Yeah. Because I can then speak freely to them mm-hmm. without necessarily feeling that I have to edit my story. Yeah. I feel like uh, then I can talk and inspire them or actually be sit back and be inspired by their success stories. Yeah. So um, the way I decided to fix that is that I was not going to grow alone. I'm going to have to teach Mm-hmm. everything that i do mm-hmm. uh so that people can learn off of it yeah. and run with it yeah and it's even better if they run faster than i d- i do so if 
you know, something took me five years to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets and, and do if they can do it in one year because yeah. of what I've taught them. Yeah. For me, that's even better. Yeah. In fact, the best place I want to be is in a position where I'm, I'm the fool in the crowd, mm-hmm. where uh, I'm the one that knows the least. Mm-hmm and uh, i let other people speak and i sit back and take notes mm-hmm. that's the that's that for me is my ideal position yeah so i my why in life coaching was i wanted to create a crowd around me mm. that would have the momentum that i had or even better still have a faster momentum that i that i have mm-hmm. so i no longer have to create this level of loneliness around me because of the apparent success that i have yeah Ah, oh, that is that. All of that is just amazing. I mm-hmm. think there's been loads of gems. Mm-hmm. Um, it will mm-hmm. definitely be one. I'm pretty sure people have to go back and rewind and listen back to certain points. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's been great. It's been great. So you've got, you've got your book, um, yep. Roadmap to Financial Independence. Yes. Biblical principles and how to make more money than you need. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put the link in the description where you can order it. And also link to all your life coaching stuff as well. Absolutely, thank you. That is cool, that is a wrap. Well done. Thank you, thanks for the opportunity, my son. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs>